ReachMD XM157 now presents this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health. HDL levels and predictability of cardiac events. Does treatment with statins change the rules? You're listening to ReachMD XM157, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to our ReachMD special series, Exploring Heart Health. I'm your host, Dr. Gary Cohn, and joining me today is Dr. Philip Barter, who is Professor of Medicine at the University of Sydney in Australia and Director of the Heart Research Institute, also in Sydney. Dr. Barter's clinical research focuses on HDL, the factors that regulate it, and how it protects against cardiovascular disease. He's published more than 200 research papers on plasma lipids and lipoproteins, and today we're going to be talking about HDL levels and cardiovascular risk in patients with very low LDL. Dr. Barter, welcome to ReachMD. Thanks for uh, taking a few minutes to be with us today. Uh, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thanks. Well, before we talk about uh, some of the research your team has been involved with, maybe you could share a little bit about your personal medical background and how you got interested in this work on lipids and lipoproteins. Well, I did a medical degree more years ago than I'm going to admit, uh, and my initial interest was actually in gastroenterology and became very interested in the liver, but uh, discovered very early on that the liver makes some very, very interesting proteins, including lipoproteins. And that led me into cholesterol metabolism that uh, shifted me from gastroenterology into cardiology, and I became a cardiologist. And my interest in HDL really began many, many years ago when I, I noticed over a period of a couple of years, a large number of my patients were having heart attacks with low levels of cholesterol. And I discovered around that time that the most common abnormality was a low HDL cholesterol. And so that began my interest in HDL. Well, I think the cardiology world is richer for it, and I hope the GI people don't mind too much. Thanks for that. In uh, November of last year, your team published in the New England Journal of Medicine a story about uh, HDL levels in patients with very low LDL levels. Could you briefly give us your results and conclusions from that and, and uh, w whether you were surprised or not to come to those conclusions? The reason for looking at the HDL level was because many people have believed for many years now that HDL is important, but only if the LDL is high. In this particular study, we managed in its design, uh, many people were on very high levels of statins. And so we looked at those who had achieved an LDL level of less than 70, which is the level recommended for very aggressive therapy in high-risk people. And we asked the question, does a low level of HDL still matter if the LDL is below 70? And what we found is that, yes, it does. In fact, those who had HDL levels less than 42 were 40 to 60 percent higher at risk than those with the higher HDL levels, even when their LDL was less than 70. And so this has real implications. Now, statin therapy reduces risk in everyone by lowering LDL, but it doesn't correct the problem associated with having a low HDL. From a physiological viewpoint, how do you think about HDL and, and its uh, low levels still being a problem? Well, we know that HDL has a number of protective properties and until recently, the most dominant of those that we understood was the ability of HDL to take cholesterol out of tissues. LDL puts cholesterol in, LDL deposits cholesterol in the artery wall, and that's one of the major reasons how LDL causes cardiovascular disease. HDL takes the cholesterol out. But over the last few years, we've 
discovered that HDL does very much more than taking cholesterol out of tissues. HDL is a part of the defense mechanism against many, many parts of disease. It's part of the innate immune system. And so HDL, not only does it take cholesterol out of tissues, but HDL is a powerful anti-inflammatory agent. It's antioxidant. It is antithrombotic. It actually promotes endothelial repair. So damaged arteries, by whatever cause, can have the repair of the endothelium enhanced by HDL. Would it be fair to expect then, or or have you seen that uh, people with low HDL have other problems that can be attributed to its uh, lack of anti-inflammatory presence or its lack of antioxidant presence? This has not been looked at, and it's an area that should be looked at. But if we turn it around to the opposite, it is just possible that raising HDL in other inflammatory diseases may be protective. This has not been tested, but this is an area of intense research at the moment. So that, for example, it may be that HDL will be important as a treatment, uh, or raising HDL as a treatment in a condition like rheumatoid arthritis. Another area which is not common in uh, North America or Australia, but very common in other parts of the world, is malaria and the form of cerebral malaria, which is the major cause of death in people with malaria, that's an inflammatory disease of the vasculature in the brain. And in those circumstances, HDL may protect another area of intense research interest. Philip, maybe you can help me here. I seem to recall some connection with statins and or HDL and prostate cancer. Does that sound familiar to you? It's been talked about. There's a lot of confusing bits of information about statins and a number of causes Mm -hmm. of cancer. There have been reports that statins may increase the risk of cancer. In some studies, clearly not confirmed in others, and there are in fact some studies that suggest that statins reduce the risk of cancer. Mm. When we look at it overall, and there have been one or two analyses of all of the long-term studies, and the evidence that we have is that statins really don't have any effect on cancer, good or bad. Well, sounds like areas of more fruitful research as well. And and speaking of which, I understand you are a um, member of and, and or chairman of steering committees of a number of studies. Could you tell us a little bit about the TNT study? I know you're on the steering committee for that. What are you looking at with that? The TNT study has now completed. We're still doing many of the analyses, but this was a study designed to answer a very simple question that people have asked for a long time but never answered. We know that lowering LDL cholesterol with statins reduces the risk of future cardiovascular events. That's now well proven. We also know that that benefit continued to be increasing the lower the LDL level was down to about 100. What we didn't know was were there any further benefits by taking the LDL down to even lower levels. So in the TNT trial, The design was all patients had cardiovascular disease, there were about 10,000 of them. All of them were on statins, but half were on 10 milligrams of Lipitor, the other half were on 80 milligrams of Lipitor. Now, the group on 80 milligrams had a level of LDL cholesterol between 70 and 80. The group on 10 milligrams had an average level of about 100. And the result was a very positive answer that the group with the lower LDL level had a 22% lower risk of having a cardiovascular event. This is something that became very, very important. But the other thing about it was 
even when the risk was reduced by having the LDL very low, a substantial number of the people still had a cardiovascular event. And what we found was that the biggest predictor of that in that group with a low LDL who had a cardiovascular event was also having a low level of HDL. Let's, let's talk about clinical applications of that now. If you're a uh, practicing uh, internist or cardiologist, and uh, I suspect many of us are treating our patients with statins down to what we think are acceptable levels, given the state of research and what we've talked about here today, what, uh, what, what's your take-home message for uh, practicing docs out there looking at uh, their patients' lipids? Uh, I think that it's no longer acceptable simply to measure the LDL. Uh, I think that we must also know what the HDL level is, even if at the moment, just to be able to identify risk. If the patient is at high risk and warrants treatment with a statin and the the LDL level is taken down very low, we should not say we have won the battle just because the LDL is low. Because if the HDL is also low, the patient remains at an unacceptably high risk. Mm -hmm. And we do now have medications that can raise HDL, not as effectively as LDL, as statins lower LDL, but nevertheless, uh, we can get up to 20, 25, even 30% increases in HDL with some of the newer formulations of niacin that are reasonably well tolerated by most people. Let me ask you this, Philip. If uh, if you had patients who had other risk factors in addition to lipids and uh, were in this category that we're talking about, low LDL and low HDL, would you you prescribe those medications? Would you prescribe any lifestyle changes? What what advice would you give your patients? Well, the, the very first advice I would give, and I would give it again and again and again, and that is related to lifestyle. Mm-hmm. Because the, we, we have a new epidemic of cardiovascular disease coming upon us, and that epidemic is being driven by central obesity, adiposity. I mean, almost the entire Australian, almost the entire North American population is now much heavier than they should be, and much of the excess fat is around the middle where it causes the problems. Now, the two things that go wrong there are that they become insulin resistant and develop type 2 diabetes. And one of the major manifestations of this is a low HDL. So people who have a low HDL are are highly likely to be mildly insulin resistant and to have... uh, either type 2, overt type 2 diabetes or just insulin resistance, certainly the metabolic syndrome, even though people argue about what that is. So I think that it's very important to identify it. And if everybody were able to stay physically active, to not overeat, and to in fact lead a lifestyle that everybody knows is the much more healthy lifestyle, don't smoke, there is a danger that cardiologists might even be put out of business. We wouldn't want that. Well, let me ask you this. In terms of relative efficacy, how would you compare a serious modification to lifestyle compared with, say, the available medications that we have now for raising HDL? Are they comparable? Is, is lifestyle more important or less important? How would you say? Lifestyle is probably more important if people are able to adopt a lifestyle that they will maintain for the rest of their lives. Mm. Somebody who smokes and stop smoking is likely to raise their HDL by 10%. Somebody who is physically inactive 
and overweight with a BMI, for example, of 30. Mm-hmm. If they, are become, they become physically active and even just reduce their BMI down to 26, 27, which is still classified as overweight but certainly not obese, they are also likely to raise their HDL by 10, possibly even 15%. So that combination is as effective now as the most effective available medication. That is an important uh, note to leave us with. I appreciate your perspective. Thank you to Dr. Philip Barter for being our guest. We've been talking about HDL levels and cardiovascular risk in patients with very low LDL levels and the relative comparison of lifestyle and medications. Thanks, Dr. Barter. I'm Dr. Gary Cohn. You've been listening to a special series exploring heart health on ReachMD, XM157, the channel for medical professionals. To comment or listen to our full library of podcasts, visit us at reachmd.com. Register with promo code RADIO and receive six months free streaming for your home or office. Thanks for listening. Thank you for listening to this month's special series, Exploring Heart Health, on ReachMD XM 157, the channel for medical professionals.